Let's turn this morning to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I want to remind all of us this morning of a glorious psalm filled with promises of great deliverance and protection. We should turn to God's word for everything. And this psalm is one of the best to build our faith and our hope. Yes, excellent. The whole psalm is so good that I have no particular lesson that I want to draw out of it or anything profound. I just want to delight in God's word. Yes, and consider a psalm that is precious in the way in which it, uh, it displays God's providential protection and deliverance yes. of his children. Right. The religion of, of the Lord God of heaven is pretty simple. Obey me, and I will bless you. If you honor me, I will prosper you. If you love me, I'll fill you with joy. If you repent, I'll give you hope, etc., etc., etc. God's blessings are mostly conditional. And those in this psalm are definitely no exception. But it should be a pleasure and a privilege to fill the conditions of this psalm and every other condition that the Bible has for us because we serve a great Lord God of heaven who is so kind to us and the blessings far outweigh any effort on our part to fill the conditions for them. Amen. So let us always be careful to examine ourselves before claiming God's promises and make sure that we're honoring him in the way that he demands. Psalm 91, we will take this verse by verse and let's rejoice in it. Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What a privilege to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The point here is not that the secret place is located under the shadow of the Almighty, but rather that you dwell in the secret place. Abiding under his shadow is a blessed privilege that is only granted to us if we make intentional efforts to dwell with the Lord. We do that by means of trusting him, placing our faith in him, obeying him, and submitting to his word. Again, God's blessings are conditional. We cannot claim this promise, the promise of abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, if we have pitched our tent anywhere else, made our abode anywhere else. We have to abide in him. Verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Experiences should result in us making proclamations like, He is my refuge and my fortress. Verbally declaring truth on a subject is what we ought to do. And the truth is uh, for us that God is, is the Lord and He is our refuge and our fortress. Proclaiming truth about the Lord and His protection both honors Him and glorifies him and builds each other's faith in him. Experiencing the safety and security in the Lord should build our faith, thus in him will I trust. Yes. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Here the psalmist declares a certain fact based upon experience. He shall deliver thee. The psalmist has had experience in the past of God's deliverance, and he knows how God operates on the behalf of his children. So he promises that surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. We can't see a snare, generally can't see the pestilence, but you can be sure that the Lord sees it, knows all about it, and he can take care of it. The noise and pestilence and the snare are both out of our control. So rejoice. If it's out of our control, it's in his control. And that's where we want it where we can't mess it up. 
verse 4, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. We have a unique comparison here of protection. Feathers, a wing, and also a shield and a buckler. The Lord is trying to tell us, I'm going to take care of you. I will protect you. You have the instinctive and protective nature of a mother hen, for example, mm-hmm. and also the double layer of armor found in a shield and a buckler. Right. Use your imagination. Any way you can think of, the Lord is your defense. So much so that his very truth is considered a defense because it is pure and holy. It is protection from all error and guile. Right. Verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. We all fear what lurks in the darkness because we cannot see it. We fear arrows because they're silent and deadly. The Lord doesn't need to hear or see either of them to stop them. So we should have no fear of them either. Verse 6 is a continuation of this thought. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Whether it's in the dead of night or during the heat of the day, there's always something out to get us. You can fear just about anything at every, every point in your life. The psalmist is trying to make a point. In every way, at all times, and for any situation, the Lord is in control. Take confidence, confidence today that he is going to protect you, that yes. he is yes. protecting you. Amen. Verse 7. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Amen. Considering the, the prior two verses, many will be afraid in the night. They will be struck by arrows yes. in the day. The pestilence will walk into their lives, and many will be wasted at noonday. It's going to happen to them. Look around you. Thousands fall on either side because they are not under the protection of Almighty God. They're not covered by his wings. His shield and buckler and his truth do not defend them, but it does defend us. When you see the destruction of the wicked, you should glory in the Lord, knowing that he made all the difference. He yes. protected you, but he Amen. did not protect them. Verse 8, Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. The wicked are always destroyed. We should not be too distracted because their success is publicized for all to see. A closer look at the world around us would tell us of the horrible destruction that they all experience in this life and most definitely in the next. Furthermore, the eye of faith sees the ultimate end of the wicked, the ultimate destruction of those that hate God, which is eternal separation from God and facing his wrath without the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. 9 through 13, I read these five verses to you now. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. We are given here another set of precious promises that are dependent on the location of your habitation. Only those that have already chosen to take residence in the presence of the Lord God through obedience, faith, and love 
Only those will reap the benefits of his shadow, his wings, his feathers, his truth, his shield, and his buckler. And an added benefit here is angelic protectors and Holy Spirit confidence, for in, and that's for those that dwell in the Lord God, have made their habitation in the Lord. Yes. No plague approaches those that dwell with the Lord because he is immune from all calamities. Lord, grant us the same closest yes. of habitation for angelic protection yes. and bold confidence. Amen. So the question could be asked, why all, all the things, all the calamities described in this psalm, why do they, well, they really do happen to believers. Many have died from the plague. Many believers have been shot with arrows. It's a good question. The answer is that crushing calamities only hasten us to our eternal reward. Losses enrich us. Sickness brings us closer in proximity to the Lord. Reproach in this world is being honored by God, and death is our gain. No evil in the strict sense of the word can touch us, for everything is overruled for our good by the Lord. We are secure where others are in peril, and we live spiritually where all others die. Spiritually and eternally, nothing can touch us. And on a whole nother subject, you could consider that we are also generally protected practically in just about every way. Yes. 14 through 16. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. The Lord, the Lord himself now speaks directly to us and promises us six things. An answer to be with us, to deliver us, to honor us, to grant us long life, and to show us his salvation. Yes. Notice that these six things are a result of of the first clause because he hath set his love upon me and also because he hath known my name yes right amen he doesn't ask for a sacrifice self-mutilation or your firstborn he demands your love he doesn't ask amen. for slave labor or fearful servitude he expects us to know his name which is his character himself and to dwell with him Based on all the verses leading up to this point, we should easily love him. Based upon everything that he has promised, we should want to know him as well as we can. Again, the promises are conditional. However, the conditions should be a natural result of us considering how kind and loving he is. And if we have any degree of his spirit within us, we should run to him, love him, and know his name. The conditions in this psalm should be an easy pleasure for us to fulfill. The benefits far outweigh any work and effort on our part to realize them. May the Lord be magnified and may we run to him today, fulfilling, joyfully fulfilling all the conditions of God's law and thereby reaping all the benefits. May the Lord be praised. Amen. 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 Thank you.